This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We're internet sensations, guys. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 to 7 on WSJS. We've made it to a Friday drive. WSJS, new stock sports for the triad. And we start with an important programming note. Due to Duke basketball tipping off at a strange time tonight, or this evening, 6 o'clock, right here on WSJS, we're going to wrap up at 5 o'clock rather than 6, and high school state playoff football will be moved to the interwebs, WSJS.com. You can listen to that game starting at 7 o'clock, kickoff at 7.30. Dave Pulaski will be calling that game and will join us in studio to tell us about the matchup. Moving on to Panthers-Cowboys. Let me appeal to the video gamers in the audience. If you've ever played GM mode on Madden, Maybe they call it something different, like franchise mode, when you get to play GM and be the general manager that makes all the moves and stuff. There are times where you don't really feel like playing each individual game because either your team's so good, you just want to skip to the playoffs, or your team's so bad, you want to wait till the season to end. You don't want to wait till the season to end, so you just simulate to the end and, hey, now we can make all the moves in the offseason to improve the roster. Well, the Carolina Panthers are the latter of that. And for Frank Reich, if he loses Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys, and it's as ugly as it appears it can be, then it's a wrap for him. And you can just simulate to the end of his Panthers tenure. That's what Sunday is. You should expect the Cowboys to bury Frank Reich and the Panthers Sunday at Bank of America Stadium because we just saw the same movie last year. Matt Rule's last game was against a superior 49ers team that when they arrived in town took over Bank of America Stadium. Their fans, it was completely red and gold and the Panthers lost that game by three touchdowns. Sunday's going to be an absolute Cowboys takeover. Everybody knows it. Even Frank Reich. Listen to Frank Reich earlier today say that they, they've been preparing to use a silent count on all offense in their home stadium because of what they expect to be in the stands. I think everybody knows how well Dallas travels. Um, you know, we have a great city that, that other teams like to, other fans like to come to. So, um, you know, we're prepared. We practice silent count this week, you know, if we have to use it. Um, so we're prepared either way. Other fans, they just like to travel to our city. And not your own. Oh, we've got this great city. They love to come to our city and watch football games at the stadium. What about the fans of your team in your stadium? (laughs) Seems like it'd be a lot easier for them to get to the game than the visiting fans, you would think. He's talking about the Panthers as if they're the Chargers in L.A., where there are two L.A. teams and none of them have been around that long, so they don't have these long, like, standing generational fan bases. (laughs) It's, It's unbelievable. And it's sad, too. And what's also sad is Dallas is coming off hanging 49 on the Giants last week, and they've won three of their last four games. So they can put it on teams. With that being said, though, a couple of things. Don't be surprised if the Panthers start the game well. The offense, this is a kitchen sink game if I've ever seen one. Everything you've got, you're going to throw it into this game. The urgency is going to be on the Panthers' side. We know that. So watch out for something tricky. LaVisca Chenault, for example, is playing in this game. Haven't seen him in a while. 
Maybe you get him involved in something, some type of trick play. The defense, quietly, has been playing very well. It's kind of crazy. Nobody's talking about how well the defense is playing because when the Panthers win a game, everybody wants to talk about what Bryce Young did on that drive to beat C.J. Stroud. But the defense held the Texans to 13. The week after that, Bryce Young threw two, uh, two pick sixes. They lose the game, so everyone's talking about Bryce again. But the defense, again, only allowed 13 points to the Colts. And the only reason they allowed 13 was because of that bad call on Xavier Woods that gift-wrapped a touchdown for Indy, their only offensive touchdown of the game. The Chicago Bears held them down where they weren't scoring a ton on the Panthers' defense either. So they've played well, solid, certainly, in the last three games. However, Dallas is a different animal. Dallas is going to prevail eventually. This probably is going to play out a lot like the Miami game a month ago, where Carolina had some urgency going into the bye. They wanted to show some things, and they were up 14 to nothing, perfectly scripted, and the urgency was with Carolina, and they still lost that game by 21 points. Miami spotted Carolina 14. It's a lot like when the Atlanta Braves have... Like that, uh, that Frozone type person. I forget the name of that. You know what I'm talking about. They give the fan a head start by about 10, 15 yards in a race, and this guy just tracks them down. That's what this game's going to feel like. Maybe you'll spot him some points. The freeze. The freeze. Thank the freeze you. is what we call it. That's it. The Panthers are that fan. That's trying to outrun the freeze, getting a 10, 15-yard head start, and then the freeze still hawks them down. That's what this game's going to be. But the other thing's this. Even if they lose this game and they lose it bad, it'd still be surprising that they, if Carolina fires Frank Wright next week. That would be a surprising deal. I, this is why I use the GM mode Madden example. Like You could just simulate to the end. Like It would be a death nail David Tepper would not forget that image of a, a game that's completely packed with visiting fans and the Panthers losing by a ton, and it's just going to be hard to overcome that. That's what it would be. It'd be a death nail. Carolina, they have three straight road games after this, and they'd be 1-9 with the loss on Sunday. It would be inevitable. That's what it would be. It might not happen next week, but it would be inevitable that Frank Reich's going to lose his job. And I like Dallas to win this game, 31-17. to 17. On X, at WSJS Radio, if you want him, Will Dalton, the executive producer of the show. Knowing you and your interests, WD, do you want the good news or the bad news? I already know the bad news. Just tell us. Joe Burrow's out for the year. Mm-hmm. Tearing a-, a wrist ligament. You knew it was bad when they had the sideline shot yeah. yesterday. And he's you know going down to... Like, nearly down to a knee. Yeah, he was hurting. Can't hold on to the football. That's tough. But even with Joe Burrow in the lineup, they probably weren't making the playoffs in the loaded AFC. That was a tough loss yesterday. Um, So, I mean, Burrow is going to miss time. So, the fact that he's out for the year, if he was going to miss any time at all, he probably, the the Bengals weren't going to make the playoffs. So, I don't think it's as big of a deal as some are making it out to be as long as he's ready for next year. But still, bad news nonetheless. Do you want the good news? I'd love to hear some good news. So the Greensboro Swarm are in action tonight and tomorrow at the Fieldhouse. Leaky Black and Amari Bailey will be making their Swarm debuts at the Fieldhouse tonight. So gsoswarm.com, you can go out, get some tickets, see the Swarm. 
Going from the Swarm to the Hornets, I don't know if this qualifies as good or bad news, but it's worth talking about. Miles Bridges' 10-game suspension is up, and for the first time in 583 days, he's going to be in the lineup for the Charlotte Hornets. Now, it seems the fans of the team are struggling with how to feel about this, given the off-court problems that he's had, and they are well-documented, and we've talked about them ad nauseum when relevant. Here's where I stand on it. Keeping Miles on the team and choosing to play Miles are uncomfortable necessities for the Hornets right now. He's an all-star caliber player in Charlotte. You got LeBron James before, you know, he stopped playing for Charlotte before uh, last season, talking about how he's one of the elite guys in the league. He's a dude. But here's the complete list. This is the part you need to realize if you're not a Hornet fan. Here's the complete list of Hornets All-Stars since the the name change from Bobcats to Hornets. Like this is we're talking about close to 15 years of Hornets history now. Here's the complete list of NBA All-Stars. Kimball Walker and LaMelo Ball. That's the list. And Miles Bridges could be that type of good. So, Charlotte doesn't have the luxury as an organization to have that type of talent available to them. And simply discard it. This is not, they are not the Lakers. They are not even the Miami Heat. They're not the Celtics. They can't just discard them. Those organizations, maybe they could. Would they? I don't know. Here's the grown up reality, though, where you're having a grown up conversation about this rather than trying to posture and do the social media thing where, hey, I'm going to get a bunch of likes and say, ah, oh, this is abhorrent that the Hornets are playing Miles Bridges. He's going to play for somebody. That's the reality. He's served a suspension. He's going to play for somebody. Why not you? What does taking a moral stand grant grant you? Oh, the fans should you got you owe it to your fans to not play Miles Bridges. Really? Huh. What fans? I mean, are these same fans? If, if the Charlotte Hornets cut a deal with those air quote fans that they're doing it for, would they do would, would the fans show up now? If the Hornets said, hey, We're going to cut Miles Bridges because you want us to. Social media says we should. Are you going to watch a 25-win basketball team now? Is that what you're going to do? Like, Miles gets the game because we saw it with Kobe in 2004, and we've seen it with several other examples in sports. If you start winning, people are going to forget. They are. They shouldn't. It's, again, having a grown-up conversation here. The Hornets are trying to run a business, and they're not the Lakers or the Celtics. He's going to play for somebody. Why not you? And this was Miles yesterday, I think, communicating what I'm trying to say decently. I mean, I know I know a lot of people feel feel a way about me being back, and I understand that, and I have to, like I said before, gain their trust back. So I'm just going out there, looking out there to play. I feel like if I, if I can get us some more wins, I feel like people's perspective will change a little bit on me. But just trying to, trying to get out there and help the team as much as I can, you know, and I miss, I miss playing against these fans. Yeah. 25-win team without Miles Bridges. Fans aren't showing up. You might lose some of those people, but I venture to say if the Hornets are decent with Miles in the lineup, you probably gain more people than you would have lost by keeping him. I'd say so. That's that's the truth. If you want to say that's an indictment on the human experience, that's fine. An indictment on fans, sure, but that's the reality. And there are two scenarios of how this plays out for Charlotte, and they're positive. Either... He makes Charlotte a playoff team, which he could. 
He is that good, remember? The last two years that he played in Charlotte, they were play-in teams, and he was the leading scorer on those teams. So that's one scenario. Or Charlotte is not a playoff team, and you can flip him at the deadline, get something in return for him, and since you're not making the playoffs, you're likely going to have a top 10 pick in the draft that doesn't go to the San Antonio Spurs. You'd likely have a top 10 pick, and you continue your rebuild, but you get something back in exchange for Miles. It is uncomfortable? Sure, I'll give you all that. But it is a necessity that he plays and that he stays a Charlotte Hornet. To recap the week in the most efficient way possible, we keep it simple. Next. This is it. You ready? All right, hold on. All right, do it, do it. All right, listen up. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. My wife just texted me that she spotted stand-up comic Theo Vaughn at a restaurant in downtown Winston-Salem just a few hours ago. Is that right? He's playing Joel Coliseum tonight. Two weeks from now, Burt Kreischer, who's another noteworthy comic, going to be playing Winston, too. I am certainly in favor of Winston-Salem becoming a home for top comedy acts. I'm all about it. We saw, my wife and I, saw a stand-up comic, as I mentioned, at our church last week, which is the last place you'd expect to watch a comedy show, but we enjoyed that. We went to an open mic a few blocks from our house Tuesday night. That was better than I expected it would be. And, yeah, how about this? Just top acts visiting the Tri-Am. So that's pretty exciting. A lot going on tonight. Perhaps we can get to that in a bit. Right now, though, let's recap the week since it's Friday in the most efficient way we know how to by keeping it simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. All right. 3.20 in the afternoon. Who's in the club this early on in the day? Let's find out together, boys and girls, with a dance break. Boston College. Live action, Tracy. <laughs> no, 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 no. And this win when there's so much for us. I love this shit out of you, man. This is for you. It's Luigi time. Crying in the club. Mac Brown and Sharon Moore. They're in their fields out there. That's it. Then Jimbo back there. Ah! A lot of coaches in there. We have an update on Jimbo. What do you think Jimbo Fisher's been up to this week? He's been kicking it. I wear. Somewhere tropical? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Turning the old phone off. Oh, yeah. Getting the lump sum $76.5 million buyout. How about that? Okay, where are we starting? Caleb Love and Arizona beating Duke last Friday night. Caleb gets the last laugh. His career is going to be remembered, even if he makes it in the NBA, for what he did against Duke. Winning at Cameron, Coach K's last game, beating Coach K in what turned out to be his last game overall, and the first ever matchup between Duke and North Carolina in the NCAA tournament, and it was in the Final Four 
that's what Caleb's going to be remembered for. So for him to go in there and hit those clutch free throws and assist on the go-ahead bucket and pick off that long inbound pass, I felt really good for Caleb Love because he's been through it. He's been scapegoated by Tar Heel fans. He's been mistreated by Tar Heel fans. Don't just take it from me. Six-man of Tar Heel basketball, BDOT, said it the day that he transferred out. The Michigan stuff where he wasn't admitted felt political and felt like a rift between the university and Juwan Howard, things not related to Caleb Love. So I felt really good for him that he was able to to close out that game and have that moment. UNC beating Duke on senior night. Drake May's last game probably, maybe Max, and storming the field. (sighs) A lot of angles to this. There is the Mac Brown piece where he's saying he's not retiring, but we'll see. We'll see in a couple of weeks how the next few weeks go. There is the Drake May piece where that's going to be his last game. He's going to go to the NFL. And there's the field storming piece where it's just another reminder of how unserious Carolina football is when you're two touchdown favorites, when you do nothing in the red zone, when your defense blows another lead, Duke's playing with their third-string quarterback that you decided that that was going to be a good idea. Either people letting it happen or students doing so. Just seems that Mac Brown, who spent a lot of time at a serious place that doesn't really have field storms all that often, if you you injected him with truth serum, he probably wasn't a big fan of it. Wake Forest getting destroyed by NC State. The low point for Dave Clawson. That's it. It's it's the low point for Dave Clawson. And I don't say that lightly, knowing that he only won six games his first two years, but that was building towards something. That was redshirting classes, and you just kind of understood it was going to take a while with the approach that he was taking. The standard had been elevated. This is a standard year, and you lose two brutal games. One that you should have won at Duke, where you collapsed in the fourth quarter and then when you don't show up for when you don't compete in that's the part that was staggering and Dave Clawson to his credit was very honest after the game very honest in his comments to the media this week that that he was wrong about what this team what he thought this team was going to be and he he that this team is not competitive against the pack We mentioned it a minute ago, Jimbo Fisher being fired by Texas A&M. Mike Elko should be... Mike Elko is the fit. I'm trying to think if there's another coach that you could consider as being an equal fit or just as good as an option. I know Jeff Trailer apparently interviewed as UTSA's coach, legendary high school coach around there, now at UTSA. Mike Elko coached at AM. Things went south after he left AM. He's winning at Duke in such a short period of time. He's figuring out ways to do so and compete with the third string quarterback, doing things that no one across the country has done. And he's the exact inverse of Jimbo Fisher, which is kind of what you're looking for when you're firing somebody. He just checks all the boxes in a way that nobody else does. College football heavy, but, I mean, a lot's happened. Jim Harbaugh accepting his three-game suspension from the Big Ten. 
This whole scandal is dumb. It really is. The punishment is dumb. It just feels personal because it's Jim Harbaugh and it's Michigan. I don't think the air quote cheating that's been done is all as impactful as people make it. Just like, I don't think it's that big of a deal in the actual football that Harbaugh's not going to be on the sideline when all the work happens throughout the week. So in a way, it's the perfect punishment for the crime. Both are a lot on the surface and a lot for show and not really, there's not really a lot of teeth to it. But the entire scandal altogether is dumb. That's all we have time for here in the club. All right, let's get one more dance break. I mean, was it supposed to be magic? Uh, yeah, you know, it, again, at, at, at that point, you know, we're... Nah, I'm not going to touch that one. Woo! Woo! Whoa! Merry Christmas! Yeah, Matt Rule's hanging out back there. He's, he's, ha- he's having a ball with all this Panthers news. It's the Drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. Party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. So bizarre. We have high school football tonight, playoff football. That's not the bizarre part. 7 o'clock pregame starts, 7.30 kick. Huff and Grimsley from Greensbury. Dave Pulaski in studio will be on the call for that. No, the weird part is Duke basketball is tipping off at 6 o'clock. So we're off the air at 5. And like in the next half hour, we're going to be taking it to the house and singing Rhinestone Cowboy like in 15 minutes. Kind of crazy how quick of a turnaround it is. But getting into the high school football. Advance to the later stages of the playoffs. What does the picture look like right now for the triad? Is the triad in good position, bad position, about where you thought they would be? I would say about where I thought we would be. Um, you know, you still have the the three key favorites for state titles from the triad still alive. Of course, that's the top uh, seed Reedsville over in 2A, uh, Dudley in 3A, and then Grimsley, of course, in 4A. But that road to the 4A title is so tough. I mean, I mean, you're playing Huff, a team that is on an 11-game winning streak in the third round. And then if you win that one, you potentially could play either Weddington or Charlotte Catholic in the fourth round. You're not even to the regional final yet. And you're playing other teams that could just as easily win the state title as you. Now, going into it, high school OT had Grimsley as the pre-playoff favorite to win the state title. So we'll see how it plays out. But right now, I would say the triad's in, in pretty good position about what we expected. You still have Mount Tabor over on the other side of that 4A bracket, although they have a really tough test against Butler today. You have Huff, Grimsley. If memory serves, didn't those two play in a playoff classic last year? Yeah. Uh, that was their first ever meeting, and uh, what a way to lift the lid on that one, huh? Uh, 40 to 37 in triple overtime that Grimsley ended up winning on a, on a game-winning field goal after making a defensive stop. That ended up propelling them into the regional final. That was a fourth-round game last year, and that was uh, a matchup that really both teams left everything out on the field. Uh, Huff still talks about it a little bit, wow. especially going into this game. I'm sure it was discussed during the 83-mile bus ride up from Cornelius for this game. So there's going to be motivation on both sides. 7 o'clock pregame start, 7.30 kick. How much different do these rosters look versus a year ago? Um, a decent amount. Uh, Huff has a new quarterback this year. Their backup quarterback is now the starter. 
Uh, Trey uh, Blakeney is the starting quarterback this season. Last year, it was Tad Hudson, who is now uh, one of Drake May's backups at Carolina. So it, it's a little bit of a different offense in terms of their dynamic. Uh, Tad play. Hudson. Yeah. Is there a more North Carolina Tar Heel sounding name than Tad Hudson? Does he sound more like a North Carolina Tar Heel baseball player or a guy who's like in the mix round one in Augusta? Tad Hudson. Augusta. Yeah, I'll go Augusta. Hello, friends. <laughs> a tradition unlike any other. Tad Hudson for par. <laughs> Although I could see Tad Hudson coming out of the bullpen for uh <laughs> yeah, Handlebar Coach mustache. Forbes. Let's get uh, let's get Coach Forbes, the other Coach Forbes. Let's right. get uh let's get him in there. Sorry to interrupt that. No, so that's different okay. quarterback play. Uh yeah, different quarterback play. So the offense isn't quite as dynamic uh for Huff as last year, but their defense is arguably even better than what they had last year. And they traditionally always have a really good defense. They're only giving up eight and a half points per game this season. You go through their starting lineup. This is how it reads of Division I football commits in just their starting lineup. Oklahoma, Georgia Southern, James Madison, Coastal Carolina, and Louisville. Not bad. That's pretty good. I'm looking at your hat. You got, for those watching on Twitter, or I guess X, YouTube or Twitch, Dave Pulaski in studio with us has got the UCLA hat because you produce UCLA football in downtown Winston-Salem. Pretty cool what we have in downtown Winston with Learfield IMG. Tomorrow's the UCLA-USC game? It is. I've always thought that game was always like right after the Thanksgiving holiday, and it's just a reminder. Tomorrow when UCLA plays USC. What are they going to be wearing? Color on color. Powder keg blue against Cardinal Red. So One of speak, the best uniform games in college football. So I'm going to look directly into the camera right now, as we have for years now. NC State, North Carolina, figure it out. Please figure it out. Last year, I was at the game at Keenan Stadium. You know what I did? I walked up to Boo Corrigan, <laughs> and I said, you game for this in Raleigh next year? He said, yes. I walked up to Bubba Cunningham. I said, you cool with this? He said, yes. Figure it out. That's that's what I'm saying to you. No alternate jerseys. Oh, we're going to wear our dark helmets. No. For once, Carolina blue, home jerseys for the Tar Heels against NC State red home jerseys head-to-head. This isn't hard. Yeah. At the end of the day, Jeff, why is Jim Phillips involved in this? Well, can, is, isn't he, can he make it happen? No. Oh. It, not if the teams agree to it now. It's good. This is it. The schools well, you, can do it. Well, you could broker this. You've I already have. done the work. Well, come on. Frank. I've got okay. This is a reminder. I'm gonna Call I'm somebody. going to remind Boo Corrigan <laughs> and Bubba Cunningham. I'm gonna see Bubba tonight, I think, in Chapel Hill. Right. I'm gonna remind them what they told me a year ago. Figure it out. That's what I'm saying. UCLA and USC actually forced the NCAA to change its rule because at the time, it had to be color jersey against white jersey, and if the team violated it, they lost a timeout. So whoever ended up wearing the color jersey being the road team lost the timeout. The other team would just turn around and call a timeout there, so both teams had two timeouts. That's and that what ended that, up causing the NCAA to say, you know what, that's okay. There it is. Like they, They've done the hard work. That they're they are proof that you can do it now. Do it, just just do it. This is not hard. It shouldn't be. Next week, 
crazy to think it's Thanksgiving. So I don't think we're going to be talking next week. So we'll talk uh, a couple of weeks from now when we get to the semifinal stage of the playoffs. I had some leftovers today, some Thanksgiving leftovers, because I had a Friendsgiving at mm-hmm. my place last night. Okay, Pulaski. I'm not going to ask you your primary dish because there's only two possible answers to that. We had a little Thanksgiving thing at Alex's daycare today, by the way. That was pretty cool. What's the side dish? The side dish for me of choice? Yeah. Cauliflower and cheese sauce. That's new. I used to what? love it. That's new. I used what? To, my grandmother would make <laughs> it, and I loved it. Cauliflower and cheese sauce. I'm not so, mad at that answer. I kind of like that. I am. Uh, it's okay. Me and Dave will be healthy. Infuriated. Well, besides the cheese sauce. Well, I was going to say the cheese sauce. <laughs> that, that's what does it. That sounds good. I am violently upset. Violently? Right. Violently. I'm just, I'm, I'm grabbing my chair right now. Uh, while you I'm, are, actually. While we're talking state playoffs, shout out to my high school, Franklin Academy High School outside of Raleigh. They are playing, I believe, Davidson Day, some school from Charlotte area. In Greensboro tomorrow, at McPherson Stadium, high school state soccer championships. 2A, I once upon a time was a midfielder for four years for the Franklin Academy Patriots. We never made it to states or anything like that. But shout out to those guys. Wish them the best of luck. Were you ever a top-notch athlete, Dave Pulaski? Uh, Top-notch? Yeah. No. What did you play in high school? Baseball. Baseball, football, and basketball. And I played baseball in college, but I was not top-notch in any of those. I was about to say, you and WD can bond over that. Right? We have. We, we have. have, yeah. yeah. You have that. Uh, Shout-out to Monmouth Regional going 6-4 and four in football this season. So there's that. Boom. Up in New Jersey. Cauliflower with cheese sauce. Dave Pulaski, 7 o'clock, pregame start, 7.30 kick. Have a great call. Hopefully tonight's game is as good as the one a year ago. Huff Grimsley from Greensboro. Should be a lot of fun. Get out that way. Thanks, man. That's Dave Pulaski. In studio with us, WD. I can't believe I'm asking you this question this soon, but on this rhinestone cowboy, what do we have in ticket to the house? It's a headline I didn't think I'd read today. A shark sighting on the interstate. Next. Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves to take herbal body baths to keep his skin supple and youthful looking. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. One more reminder. We've been saying it all show. We're off the air in just a few minutes. Six o'clock Duke basketball tip on WSJS. Pre-game coverage starting in just a few minutes with David Shoemate from Cameron. You can listen to Dave Pulaski, Huff, facing Grimsley tonight. Seven o'clock pregame, 7.30 kick on WSJS.com exclusively online just like last week okay if you missed any of today's show best of pod you can find it still search the drive with josh graham itunes apple podcast spotify and anchor we'll take it to the house in just a bit let's do some singing a little bit earlier than usual like Like a rhinestone cowboy riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo like a rhinestone cowboy. cowboy Getting cards and letters from people I don't even know 
and offers coming over the phone. Okay. Let's close out the week on a high note by taking it to the house. Past the 15, past the 10, past the 5 for the drive. We'll take it to the house. One, two, three. So weird. Taking it, it to the house. Some people were just getting off work. Hey, I get off at 5 o'clock. Sorry. Duke basketball. Weird 6 o'clock tip. Enjoy, Duke. I got to get to Carolina. I guess I'll get there in good time with it being an 8 o'clock tip. I'll say. In Chapel Hill. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the high school football on WSJS.com. What do you have in Ticket to the House? A shark has been seen on the interstate. Where? Not a shark! Now, the scenario is apparently somebody was driving behind a truck and somebody was transporting a big catch. Somebody caught a shark. So the shark was like laid, I mean, big one, like laid out in the back of a pickup truck, Mm -hmm. cruising down the highway. Um, The guy got a good video of it. And apparently the viewer who sent this believed it's about a nine or 10 foot long bull shark. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, hey, it's, it's about to fall off the truck. Actually, when you look at the footage here. Like, it's just dangling off. The tail is actually probably scraping the road a little bit here. Are you, when you go to the beach, are you a guy that generally spends a lot of time in the water? I do like to get in the ocean. Now, I know a lot of people are skeptical about it, and they're like, oh, stuff, stuff is in there. But, see, I just say. I don't like getting in the water all that much at the o- in the ocean. Not because of what's in there like sharks, but... Twofold. One, the water's generally very dirty. It is. I try to put that out of my mind. And number two, I don't like having all the sand that comes along with when your feet are wet walking in the sand versus when your feet are not wet walking through the sand. I feel it's a lot easier to clean your feet and not yeah. have all the sand. Yeah, it's, just part of, it's part of going to the beach, though. Yeah, like I, I enjoy it. Again, I like sitting on the beach and reading and napping and I like sitting under the pier which Hayes Permar makes fun of me for. You do do that. I I enjoy going to the beach. It's just that I don't spend a lot of time in the water and then it's an added bonus that if I'm not in the water that much I don't have to worry about sharks. I might try to go to the beach actually here this month or next month in December because my parents... What beach would you go to? We go to Myrtle Beach. In December? Yeah. Because my parents have been wanting to go to the beach. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm probably going to take some days off in December. And it would be cool to go to the beach at Christmas time. Why? Just Christmas time at the beach. Okay. Yeah. Well, be fun. You enjoy that. I will. Now, I probably won't be getting in the water on that deal. It'll be a little, little chilly. Good luck. High school football tonight. Best of luck to Grimsley against Huff on WSJS.com. We pass things along to David Shoemate and company, Duke Basketball. I'll be at Carolina. Follow our coverage on YouTube. I'll have stuff from the Panthers game as well. Talk to you next on a Monday drive.